Um, once again, thanks for thanks everyone for joining us, and um, welcome to today's Bible study. So we are continuing our conversation on spiritual exercise. Uh, we started two weeks ago. We started with spiritual growth. Last week we looked at spiritual exercise, and we couldn't finish it. So we're trying. We're continuing from where we stopped last week on spiritual exercise. Um, let me ask again, how many of us were able to listen to the, um, either the podcast or the YouTube video on spiritual growth? This was last two weeks. Anyone here can just give a thumbs up if you're able to listen to it or, or watch the video on YouTube for last week, last two weeks. So either last two weeks or for last week, that spiritual growth or spiritual exercise. Okay, Cecil, thumbs up from you. Anyone else? That was able to listen to listen or watch the video podcast. Okay, only Cecil here. All right then. So please I encourage us to go back and listen to it because the reason why I'm I'm saying this is because what we're discussing today is, is a build-up from where we stopped last week. So it will help your understanding to give you a more holistic um, understanding as to what we're we are conversing. Praise God. But by way of recap, last week we looked at spiritual exercise um, and we majorly focused on waiting on God, you know, and how that it's important to wait on God. And we looked at it in detail. So please, again, go back and look at that. We looked at the example of David and Saul and how the practice of waiting on God um, influences our responses in times of pressure when we are faced with situations that we we, we didn't foresee or situations that just occurred to us, right? So our practice on waiting in God would influence our decisions at those moments in destiny. Okay, so today we are going, we are continuing and um, today we're going to make, today's, today's conversation is a lot more practical. And so I would encourage us to, you know, stay tuned and, and follow us in the conversation. Praise Jesus. So today we are looking at spiritual exercise all right the second part i'm going to share my slides right now at some point um i would stop sharing my slides so um you will just join me you know as we go so i'm going to share my screen right away um where are you so share my screen Good. i hope you all can see my screen Okay, so let's go to our first uh, anchor scripture for this study is um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8. Please, if you are there, read for us 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Please read if you are there. Anyone? First Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Okay, let me read. It says, But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So Paul was speaking to Timothy, his son, in, in, in the ministry. And it says, Refuse some, some certain kind of things. Old wives', old wives fables, some tales that don't have scriptural bearings, scriptural foundations. And he says, instead, exercise yourself unto godliness. And last week when I read this verse, I pointed out to us that the, the word exercise there shouldn't be overlooked because um, it connotes certain things. And one of, one of such things is the fact that exercise means you, it has to be deliberate. Nobody, nobody engages in exercise and isn't aware that he's exercising, all right? Secondly, it means that it won't be convenient to your flesh, right? It won't be the, it won't be what you'll be dreaming of. You'll rather probably go have pizza or take shawarma or just eat a sumptuous meal than rather than going to exercise. So exercise means it won't be convenient. It's not the most convenient thing to for you to do. However, it is super important. So Paul says, exercise yourself rather unto godliness. And verse eight says, for bodily exercise. Profits lead to. So Paul acknowledges that yes, you're going to the gym, working out, and all of that has its own profit. 
But he says, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. All right. And if you listen to last week's teaching, I explained what explained the scripture that um, our exercise of godliness translates beyond the impact of our exercise of godliness translates beyond this physical world, even to the world um, to come. All right. So that's our first introductory scripture. Second one is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. I read, it says, But strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, meaning strong meat. Um, um, biblically speaking, means some kind of information, some kind of revelation, all right? Belongs to those who are full of age. The word full of age doesn't connote how old you are. The word full of age connotes how mature you are, all right? So it says, um, it says, but strong meat belongs to those who are full of age, right? Those who are mature. It now goes on to explain to us how those people became mature. It says, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised, to discern both good and evil. So the, the, the way these people became mature was not just by, by folding their arms, all right? And like I explained last week that it is only in physical growth that you do nothing and your age naturally increases. But when it comes to spiritual growth, all right, um, when it comes to spiritual growth, you have to, your, it has to be intentional. You have to exercise yourself intentionally to grow. Just like your, your muscles, all right? Um, your muscles will not go if they are not exercised. And you will notice that even in your physical body, if you, if you are, for instance, for those of you that carry weight, if you're only carrying weight on a particular arm, you'll find that after some time, that arm, the muscles of that arm are, where, are more developed than the muscles of the other arm because you have exercised it. It is the same thing too spiritually. He says that those who are mature, are those who have, who by reason of use, that's by, by usage, have exercised their senses. So the more we exercise our senses, the more we become, uh, the more we exercise our spiritual senses, the more mature we become. The more we exercise ourselves in the spirit, the more mature we become. Okay, so this is just to tell us that spiritual maturity is not a, is not a product of wishful thinking. It's a product of deliberate, intentional practices that will cause us to grow. And like I said um, again last week, that if you see a believer, for instance, it's possible to see a believer who has been, who is 10 years in the faith. If you ask him, when did you give your life to Christ? He'll tell you, I gave my life to Christ year 2000 and, and, 2000 and what, 2011. That's 10 years ago. And, um, but he, his behavior and his character is nothing close to a mature believer. However, you can see another believer and you ask him, when do you give your life to Christ? And the person says, oh, I gave my life to Christ two years ago. And the person is already mature. You can see the, the signs and evidences of maturity in his life. What makes that difference is not time. Time doesn't account for spiritual growth. What makes the difference is the, uh, are the intentional actions that the believer engages in. All right? So we need to be intentional. And that's the purpose of, of this study, um, to be intentional in our in our steps, in our practical steps towards spiritual maturity and towards spiritual growth, okay? So today, I want to explore four activities, and I'm really going to, I am trusting the Holy Spirit to help me with time to explore these four activities, four activities that if you practice them consistently, I guarantee you in a matter of months or, or years, you would see the impact and difference in your spiritual life, all right? So four practices. Last week, we were only able to look at one. And I, I, um, we spent so much time looking at waiting on God. The reason why we did that is because it is the foundation of our, our uh, Christian experience, that you are waiting on God, that your heart is inclined in the position of, of receiving from God. All right? So we're not going to deal with that today. Please, again, get the podcast and um, listen to it. But today, I want to explore four um, practices, right, that will help us greatly. And I will just touch on these practices. Um, for some of them, we had already discussed them at length, okay? Um, for others, we haven't discussed them at length, but I encourage you to study them. And in due course, we will, will have dedicated Bible studies to Bible study to discuss these topics, all right? 
So the first thing here is the consumption of the written word of God. Consumption of the written word of God. And I put the word consumption here, right, to generally refer to, med- to study and meditation, okay? So consumption of the written word of God. So please, can someone help me read um, Acts chapter 20, verse 32? Acts chapter 20, verse um, 32. Please read if you are there. Help us with it. Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. All right, someone coming to our rescue? Acts 20, 32. Yes, please. Can you hear me? Yes, loud and clear. And so now I entrust you into God's hands and the message of his grace, which is all that you need to become strong. All of God's blessings are imparted through the message of his grace, which he provides as the spiritual inheritance given to all of his holy ones. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. So, the Bible, so let me give background story first of all. This was Apostle Paul, right? He was about leaving the believers. And, and this is what we call part of his farewell speech. You know, just like um, a parent's, um, you know, is speaking to a, a child or to his children and says, oh, when you go out there, these are the things you need to succeed in life. These are the things that you need that will keep you going or you need character, you need this, you need all of that. It was a, a similar speech that Apostle Paul was making here, okay? And he said something very interesting in verse 32. He says, now I commend you to God, meaning I entrust you, like her, her version says, I entrust you to God. He says, and to the word of his grace, all right? Uh, which is able to build you up. So he says, I commend you to God and to the message of his grace. And to the, or, or like King James says, to the word of his grace. The Bible says in, in John chapter, let us know in John chapter one, that Jesus Christ came, um, when, Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ came, he was full of grace and truth, all right? And then Paul now says, I entrust you to the word of his grace. Now, the, the scripture, generally speaking now, generally speaking, is referred to as the word of God's grace because um, um, everything the gospel represents, right, is an expression of God's grace towards us. So in a general sense, right, this is referring to the word of God. Now, there's, of course, the particular sense where it talks about the message of grace itself. But on a general note, this refers to the word of God. So Paul was basically saying, I entrust you to God and then to his word. And he says, the word has this certain ability. And he says, which is able to build you up. So the word of God has the capacity to build us up. Meaning that if, what Paul was basically saying to these people is that, if you are committed to the word of God, and I meet you, let's say I meet you in the next 10 years, I am certain that you would have been built up as long as you are dedicated to this word that I, that I commit to you. As long as you are, in, you are, you are committed and to the word that I've entrusted to you, then in the next 10 years, even if I don't see you, I am rest assured that you would have been built up. I am rest assured that, you, that there'll, be, there'll be a significant measure of growth in your life. That's exactly what Paul was saying. So he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. And the next phrase is interesting. He says, and give you an inheritance among them that are sanctified. Meaning that the only way you are qualified for an inheritance is that you are being built up. Yes, our access, our, um, our, our salvation rather, yes, salvation gives us that initial access to the inheritance in Christ. However, like I explained last week and the, and the week before that, what would make you handle practically the inheritance that grace has already provided would be your maturity. And so you see that if you look around, it almost seems as if God is partial, that some people seem, seem, to, have, seem to handle more of the inheritances of God than others. Meanwhile, grace is universal to everyone that has, has received Jesus, okay? There is no, there is no segregation. God, the, the provisions of salvation are open to everybody, but how come some people seem to have a greater measure manifesting in their lives than others? And the answer to that is maturity. And this takes us back to the way we read in Galatians chapter 4, where it says that a heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a servant, meaning that even though the inheritance belong, belongs to the heir, but because he's not yet matured, 
he doesn't have practical access or practical experience of, of that inheritance. It is exactly what Paul is saying here, that I commend you through the word of God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, right? When the word builds you up, it then gives you an inheritance among those that sanctify. So the maturity that comes from our interaction with the word of God is what gives us much, um, is what gives us tangible experience of the inheritance um, in the saints, all right? So it's important to know that. So the consumption of the word of God um, is the first step to, is the first step I want to point out rather to spiritual maturity. It is impossible to grow without the word of God. It is, it is impossible. There is nothing, there's nothing God will do without his word. I mean, there, there's nothing God will do externally and internally in your life without the word of God. So the first step is to, is to be is to consume the word of God. I, I love the word consume here because it connotes a permit me to put it this way, a reckless um abandon to the word of God, where you just consume it and consume it. It it makes you grow. All right. So I said here, um, okay, first let's read Romans chapter 12 because I need to ex explain what the word of God does to us. All right. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and then someone else should please also open to Romans chapter 8 verse 5 to 7. So we'll start from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Popular passage of scripture for everyone. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Please go ahead and read if you are there. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourself to God to be his sacred living sacrifice and live in holiness and experience all the delight in his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse two, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This would empower you to discern God's, life, God's will as you live a beautiful life satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Wow, hallelujah. What translation is that, please? TPT. Okay, I, I almost feel like after reading this translation, we don't, I don't need to explain anything else again. But let me let me just share, share a few thoughts with us, right? So it says from in King James, right? It says, do not be conformed to this world, meaning that there it is possible for a believer to... It is possible for a believer to, to conform. You know, the word conform connotes, connotes like, um, think about this way. If you've been to a plastic, a plastic factory, right? The way they, they shape plastics, for instance, is there is an initial mold. And when, when plastic is melted, it's poured into that mold or around the mold or depending on how the shape is. But for instance, it's poured into that mold and then it takes the shape, the plastic takes the shape of that mold once it dries up. So at the end of the day, what determines the shape of the plastic is the mold that it was poured into. That is conformity, right? So Paul was saying here that we shouldn't conform to the environment that we have been placed in. That's exactly what he was saying. That don't conform to the environment that you have been placed in. And the reason why he had to say this is because the tendency for believers to conform to their environment is, is, is tremendous, is high, all right? So it says, do not conform to the, to the environment that you have been placed in. The lifestyle, the society, the, the method of thinking, their ways of doing things. Paul says, no, 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 don't conform to that. But it says, what is the alternative? It says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember, this again, right, is applicable to believers. He was speaking to believers, Okay. He says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And why is this super important? It is super important because the measure of, one of the metrics by which we measure spirituality is the extent to which our minds have conformed to that of Christ, okay? One of the ways we measure spiritual maturity is the extent to which our minds have conformed to that of Christ. And it is for this reason, let me just say right, right away that it is for this reason that God has given us his word. Because his word introduces us to his word introduces us to the logic 
of his kingdom. And then through interaction with his word, we are now transformed, all right? So I'm not sure why my slide keeps, keeps doing his own thing, but let's leave it like this. Okay, so he says, do not be conformed um, to, the, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the emphasis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your mind plays a crucial role in your spiritual maturity, all right? And why this is also important is because, you know, man is spirit, soul, and body, okay? When we give our lives to Christ, immediately our spirit is, is, our spirit is transformed instantly, all right? We are, our spirit is regenerated. That's what it's called. That's why the Bible says that whoever is in Christ is a new creature. That new creature, the part of you that is a new creature instantly is your spirit. And that happens immediately. There's no process involved. However, we still have the soul and we still have the body, okay? And salvation affects both spirit, soul, and body. However, the part of the spirit that, um, um, the salvation of the spirit is instant. Now the soul where the mind sits is what undergoes a renewal, all right? And then we now have the body. The body will be transformed when we, when we are caught up with the Lord, okay? Now, this soul, this second, second guy called the soul, is what to a great extent determines our maturity. The maturity of a believer is determined by the conformity of his soul to the template of his spirit. And please, again, like I said, get the teachings for last week. It will greatly help you, all right? Now, this soul is where the mind sits. And God knows that when you give, when you give your life to Christ, your, your mind didn't automatically change. For instance, if somebody knew how to smoke, right, um, smoke cigarettes, when the person gives his life to Christ, the knowledge of how to smoke is not erased from his consciousness. If somebody was a womanizer before he gives his life to Christ, and then he comes to Christ and repents, the knowledge of womanizing hasn't left his soul. In fact, he still knows all the, all the tricks and uh, the tricks of the traits of humanizing, he still knows all the sweet lines to use. So it is still conscious in his soul, all right? What now happens is through interaction with the word of God, that soul that was once used to satisfy the flesh begins to be renewed so that the soul now satisfies the spirit, okay? And that's why um, the renewal of the soul is super important because you, the things you, you used to do as an unbeliever, you will still remember how to do them. In fact, the desires will, might still be there. What erases those desires is the interaction with the word of God. It causes a renewal. It causes a change inside, on the inside of you. Okay? All right, so let's read Romans chapter, five verse, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 7 to help us drive this point further. Yep, um, who is there, please? Romans chapter 8, verse 5 to 7. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Yes, Those please. who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the spirit finds life and peace verse seven in fact the mindset focused on the flesh fights god's plan and refuses to submit to his direction because it cannot wow hallelujah hallelujah so i'm going to explain verse five right verse five in king james says for they that are after the flesh do mind the things that are of the flesh remember what, how we defined carnality, right, as the tendency to satisfy the desires of the flesh, the tendency to gratify and satisfy the desires of the flesh. And when we defined this, I think, um, when we talked about spiritual growth, that was two, two weeks ago, I believe, or last week. Again, please listen to the podcast. So it says, for the mind that, for, for they that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh. So those that are carnal, meaning the immature believers, are the ones that are conscious of the flesh. And he says that, do, um, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So what does this mean? And I put it here in the slide. It says, to be carnally minded means to feed your mind with information and instructions from your flesh. That is your physical senses. So remember again that man is spirit, soul, and body. Okay? So your spirit is renewed, right? is regenerated, sorry, 
Your spirit is regenerated. Immediately you give your life to Christ. And in fact, the Bible says that whoever is joined with Christ is one spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit and your spirit is, is, is mingled um, together. It's just like saying, I take water from one cup and water from another cup and I mix the water together. You cannot separate which water came from either of the cups. Okay, that's how your spirit man is. It is in union with Christ. However, your body has been accustomed, your body, in fact, the, the sentence for your body, right? And like we've, we've discussed this in one of our Bible studies, the sentence for the flesh now is death. Meaning sentence for the desires of the flesh because of the fallen nature, the only sentence that the flesh has is death. You cannot package the flesh, you cannot renew the flesh. You only have to sentence it to death. And that death occurs in Christ Jesus. And then you will now have to identify with that death. All right? But if you leave your body to, to do its own business, it will always do the things that satisfy the flesh. All right? And as long as you are on this earth, you will always have to put your flesh under. In fact, Paul says, I put my flesh under so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be cast away. So your flesh will always, there's no amount of spirituality that you would, would allow you to say, oh, my flesh has been, has been sanctified now. It can do what it wants. No, you will always have to discipline your flesh and put your flesh under the submission of your spirit, okay? Now, your soul can take instructions from two parts, either from the spirit or from your flesh. When I say flesh, I mean the old nature, the nature that wants to steal, the nature that wants to lie, the nature that wants to fornicate, the nature that wants to cheat others. That nature, that's what I refer to as the flesh, all right? So your soul can take instructions from either your spirit or your flesh. And this is what carnality or spirituality simply means. Every time you allow your soul to receive instructions from your body, all right? So your body, for instance, just feels like eating, eating excessively, and, and you allow your soul to entertain those desires, then you have, um, that is carnality. Right, and that is that's what it means to be carnally minded, meaning you are minding the things that pertain to your flesh. Okay, and then on the other side, when you determine that no, I'm going to allow my soul to only receive instructions from my spirit, okay, that is regenerated and in union with Christ, then that is spiritually that is spirituality, and that's what it means to be spiritually minded, where you have set your mind, your soul to receive instructions and directions from your spirit, okay? So let me read what I put in slide again. I said here that to be carnally minded means to feed your mind with information and instructions from your flesh. That is your physical senses. Again, let me buttress this. Your physical senses, you see, the way, the way by reason of our falling, by reason of the falling nature, okay? Because Adam and Eve, you know, sinned, and then the, the, um, they, they got that fallen nature, right? For lack of a better term. The implication of that is that man began to live by his physical senses. That's why the first thing man realized was that he saw that he was naked. That sight was the sight from the physical, physical senses. He had been, in quote, naked all this while, but he never saw himself that way because he wasn't viewing himself from his physical senses. But the moment he fell, right, he began to, understand and interpret things from his physical senses. That is the predicament of the fallen nature, okay? And so every time we decide to live by what we see, smell, hear, and all of that, then we are, we are living by the dictates of our physical senses, and that is carnality, meaning we begin to direct and orchestrate our lives based on the impulses that we get from the physical senses. The Bible refers to that as carnality, all right? That is um, to be carnally minded. But when we now go higher and we begin to live based on the dictates that we perceive in our spirit, right? The eternal life of God in our spirits, the Bible refers to that as being spiritually minded, all right? And the Bible says that just in case somebody decides to say, you know what, I'm, I still, with all you said, I still decide to live by my physical senses. I'll go by, if I feel like eating, I will eat. If I look at a lady and she's beautiful and, I, and my body tells me to go and sleep with her, I'll go and do that. If somebody says, well, I, I feel like having money at all costs, so I'm going to steal or cheat or whatever it is, and the person decides to live on that template, there is a repercussion for that. And that is found in verse six. It says, to be carnally minded is death 
Meaning every time you decide to live by your physical senses, live by the impulse of your flesh, live by the, by the old nature, the Bible says that you will all, it will ultimately lead to death, right? But on the other hand, if you decide to live by the spirit, by the impulse of the spirit, the Bible says um, it will end up in life and peace. So what the word of God does for us is it renews our hearts, it renews our mind so that we, are, we now live by the impulses of the spirit. And I'm sure someone is already, was, was already asking, how do I then live by the impulse of the spirit? And the way you do that simply is by re the renewal of your mind. The more you renew your mind, the more you're, you are prone to live on, by, on the impulse of the spirit, all right? The more you renew your mind, your soul, it, it's a process. It doesn't happen in one day. And that's why I said, um, that's why it is. it requires a regular consumption of the word of God. Hallelujah. Okay, so Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Um, I'll read this quickly. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. But Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Meaning you cannot, you can't trick God. All right? You can't, other people might not see it, but God himself cannot be mocked. For two reasons. Number one, he sees all things. Number two is that he has a system that that rewards unjustly, that, um, that rewards justly, rather. He has a system that rewards justly. And what does this mean? He says, for whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. All right? So I know most times we use this to, in 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 a wide variety of applications, which is okay. But in this context, he was referring to something in particular. And look at verse 8. He says, for he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. Corruption. So when he says that a man will sow what he reaps, he was talking about the, 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 the two ways in which we can sow. You can either sow to your flesh or you can sow to your spirit. All right, let me finish verse 8. He says, but he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Meaning that for, a, for anybody, right, for a believer, there are two places you can sow. You can either sow to your flesh or you can sow to your spirit. And the place where you sow will determine what you will reap. So the question is, what are you sowing? In very simple answer, you are sowing your attention, right, in, into the soil of the flesh or to the soil of the spirit. So if a believer sows his attention, right, that is basically to be, um, either carnally minded or spiritually minded. If a believer sows his attention to the soil of the flesh, the Bible says you will reap corruption. Corruption there means death, which is exactly what Romans chapter um, 8 was telling us, that to be carnally minded is death. That means you are putting your attention into the flesh. It will lead to death. But then he says to, to, if, you, if you sow to the spirit, then from the spirit you will reap life and peace. Hallelujah. So this just makes it clear to us that um, we have two options on where to sow. And the more you study the word of God, the more you give yourself to um, study, right? The more your soul is renewed and then the more you are transformed. Hallelujah. So this is the first thing for spiritual growth. Lastly on this, let's um, read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Please, somebody should read for us Hebrews chapter, chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Hebrews chapter 4. Please, if you are there, read for us verse 12 to 14. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Yes, for we you. have the living word of God, which is full of energy, like a two-mouthed sword. It would even penetrate to the very core of your being, where soul and spirit, bone and marrow meet. It interprets and reveals the true thoughts and secret motive of your heart. There is not one person that can hide their thoughts from God. For nothing that we do remains a secret, and nothing created is concealed. But everything is exposed and defenseless before his eyes, to whom we must render an account. Praise God. You can stop there. You can stop there. Um, verse 13 is fine. I'm not sure why I extended it to verse 14, but yeah, verse 13 is fine. Um, thank you very much. So it says that the word of God is living and powerful. And this is the first thing we need to understand that, you know, Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. 
So the word of God is deeper than text or, or information or, or, or just words. Jesus Christ says that the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Hallelujah. And here in verse 12 of, of Hebrews chapter 4, it says, for the word of God is quick. The word of God is alive. And that's something I think we need to remind ourselves that when we study the word of God in scripture, it's, it carries itself, it is animated. It has a life of its own. You know, the qualities of, I mean, basic science, right, taught us that there are certain qualities of a, li of a living thing. It can move, it can feel, it can reproduce and all of that. It is the same way that the word of God is alive. So your interaction with the word of God is not, is not simply a consumption of information. It is an interaction with life its, itself, okay? The Bible says the word of God is quick. That means, that means it's alive. It is powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it goes on to say that it pierces even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, meaning that the word of God has the ability to, to, permeate, to, to permeate both soul and spirit, right? One of the interpretations of this verse is that the word of God has the ability to differentiate what comes from the soul and what comes from the spirit. It has the ability to impact the unseen part of you, okay? So it says it can, it can divide pierce to dividing your soul and spirit. It now says joints and marrows. The soul and spirit are your in, in, invisible parts. Um, joints and marrows represent your visible parts. So the word of God has the ability to go even to the invisible part of your heart, all right, and begin to adjust and correct. It's almost like it's surgical in nature, right? It says it's sharper than a, than a two-edged sword. It's surgical in nature. It can pierce to your heart and correct and undo what needs to be undone or what needs to be corrected, okay? So I said here that the only instrument capable of renewing the mind is the word of God. Please note this. The only instrument that God gave the ability to renew our minds is the word of God. And that's why we are transformed by the renewal of God's word. Before I, 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 say, I say one more thing, let me just read a verse of scripture quickly that I, I omitted from here. Um, first Corin no, Second Corinthians chapter 3. just want to show you something very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse, um, verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, but we all with open face. He says, beholding as in the glass, the glory of God. When he says beholding as in the glass, the word glass here refers to the mirror. And we know from the book of James that mirror there signifies the word of God. Okay? So it says, we all beholding as in a glass or beholding the word of God, um, beholding as in a glass, the glory of God, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, meaning that as we behold the word of God, something occurs inside of us that transforms us to, to reflect what we are beholding. And that is so powerful. Meaning if somebody gives his life to Christ, let's say the person was a drug addict or the person was a womanizer or the person was, um, um, was a liar, for instance, and then he gives his life to Christ, when he begins to study the word of God, he sees in the word of God that he's a new creature. He sees in the word of God that he should no longer lie. What happens is that that constant beholding of the word of God transforms him into what he is beholding. So if you are struggling in an area of your life, let me just give you a, a, a hint here. Look for scriptures that address that particular area of your life and behold it. Consume those scriptures. It will eventually, those scriptures will eventually transform you to reflect what you have been consuming. Praise Jesus. All right. So I said here that the only instrument capable of renewing the mind is the word of God. And I added here that not miracles. And why I added this is because, you know, it is, again, miracles, if you, if you have been following us, <clears throat> excuse me, if you've been following us for a while, you know, of course, that we 100% believe in, in the manifestation of God's spirit and the demonstration of God's power. But the demonstration of the and manifestation of God's power and miracles don't transform the mind. They can heal your body, they can deliver your spirit from, from danger or from bondage, but it does not transform your mind. And a good example is the Israelites. After all they had seen, all the after all the miracles that they had seen um, performed by, by the hand of Moses, the Israelites were still hard-hearted. Hard they were still stubborn despite all the miracles that they had seen. To a point that God said the only solution for these people is just to let the whole generation go. That is how bad it was. I, in fact, I was reading 
where was where, where I was reading where we have I was reading devotion sorry with my wife the other day and we read some things that Israelites saw and it was mind blowing. Imagine that these people heard the voice of God thunder. They heard it from the mountain. Yet these people still had a stubborn heart. They saw water come out from the rock. They were still stubborn. They saw the Red Sea part. They saw what God did to the Israel and to the Egyptians, and they were still stubborn. It shows you that miracles don't transform the mind. It only takes the word of God, okay? And that's why it's super important to belong to a, a, a Bible teaching community or a Bible teaching fellowship or a Bible teaching church because that is the only way your mind, your heart can be transformed. Praise wow. Jesus. All right. Now I'm looking at the time, time and I'm wondering if it is possible for me to finish this. But anyways, let me let me bring up a discussion now, right, at this point and ask us. So we've talked a lot about studying the word of God. Um, so what are some of the tips you use personally that helps you in studying God's word? Okay, so this is um, time for discussion. So let me stop sharing my screen so you can see my face properly. All right. So what are some of the tips you use personally that helps you in studying God's word, that helps you in studying and absorbing and assimilating God's word? Anyone wants to help us, wants to share? What are some of the tips, some of the things you use, you, I mean, some of the methods you, you employ in studying God's word that has been helpful to you? The floor is open. Can I share? Yes, please go ahead. Um, one of the tips that helps me is is the is the way I put scripture or the way I study. I don't read the Bible like some pieces of fragments of information. I read it as a whole, it's a complete thought, mm. whether Genesis or Revelation. So if I read the Bible as a complete thought, as a complete thought and mind of God, it's easy to understand the flow of the of the story. I don't use the word of the information of the truth that is passed. Then I like to also ask myself questions on questions around who, when, why, how, and then just understand who is talking at the at the moment. Sometimes you meet if some prophets are talking to themselves, they are talking to God, or God is talking to them, or they are talking to the people, or the people is just, yeah, the people are uh, giving their own response. So mm -hmm. just understanding. The different dynamics in scripture that helps me too. And then the third thing that helps me is trying to understand the, the origin of the words that I use in context, literally or, or grammatically. Mm. Yeah, mm. So it helps me in, in just understanding what's going on. And then the fourth thing is finding Jesus in all the books. Sorry, come take, take that last part again. I didn't hear that. The last part? Yes. Finding Jesus. Finding Jesus, okay. The Bible says that Jesus was speaking to the people and said, the scriptures speak of me. Mm, mm. And then you think you have eternal life, but they are dead that speak of me. So scriptures speak of Jesus. So I tried to find Jesus in, in Numbers, in Leviticus, in Chronicles, in the most absurd book, even now. So those are the four things that that like guide for me. I read as a complete thought, complete mind, so I can understand for this. Uh, and then I ask questions, and then I try to find the meaning of what literally, and then I find Jesus in it. So that's how. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. You've said quite, quite a lot of helpful things. Let me just run through it again for those that might not have heard it properly. First thing, first thing she said was read it, read it Bible as a complete thought. Right, not just as fragments, reading the Bible as a complete thought of God and not just in fragments. Also, she said, asking questions, ask yourself questions like, okay, why was this said? Where was this said? To whom was this said? And all of that. Then also looking for looking at the origin of the words. So I, um, this could mean studying the Greek or the Hebrew words, and also even asking just the even the English grammatic uh, meaning of that word. And then lastly, she said, finding Jesus in the scriptures, all through scriptures. Awesome, awesome. Someone else wants to help us. What are some of the tips you employ while studying God's word? Um, Ezekiel, were you about saying something? Um, okay. 
Anyone wants to help us, remember to un unmute yourself when you are speaking so we can hear you. What are some of the things you do that helps you study? I mean, is there a particular time you find out that you understand the word of God more? Is there a particular way you read your Bible? Is there a particular version you use? You know, let's know, please. Anyone else? Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'll just present it as pointers. First, I listen to people's sermon, and then curiosity makes me go do my research. Mm. Like the Barian Christians that studied everything or had to say. So curiosity, when I listen to people's sermon, then also um, uh, my, there's this, it's not really audio Bible, but there's this, like my sword Bible, you just, you can just play it and it's really, so it has uh, when, when you when you hear some things like that when when the Bible is playing curiosity again and I want to find out okay what brought about this and you see cross references and also that helps me to study the Word of God then of course your morning devotion every day when you carry your Bible you stumble mm -hmm. or something you want to do further research on it mm -hmm. so that that helps study the Word of God. Awesome, thank you very much, Esther. So she said, just to recap again, listening to sermons and then. Wanting to do research further to understand, you know, what was taught better. Um, same thing also, audio, listening to audio Bibles and then cross-referencing and then your morning devotion also. Okay, one more person wants to help us. What are some of the tips, you know, that helps you study your Bible more effectively? More effectively. Praise God. Hallelujah. Okay, I, I believe that we've all mentioned great points. Messages are very good. They, they basically encourage you to dig deep, like um, she said. One another thing that I, I try to do is use easy to read um, translation. Maybe that's I really like TPT. So, mm -hmm. like, it, it's not like um, speak it that way. It's, it's more mm -hmm. like my normal day English. So, I'm able to. And then write writing writing down notes points that you learn from from whatever it is that you are reading. Most times, basically in context, like even if, for example, maybe the preacher is preaching and his emphasis is on just verse two. So going to read the whole of the chapter and then jotting down points from it, so I can go back. So I, I have like journals and books that I know that oh, particular topics, like for example, I'm just um trying to refresh my memory on a particular thing on maybe spiritual exercise, for example, and I've listened to um, Victor speak about it and I have different Bible verses jotted there and then maybe there's a question or something, I can go back to my notes and then check and then do further research. So taking notes and using um, different version helps. Okay, awesome. So taking notes using different versions. Thank you very much for that. Thank you so much, everyone, for your contributions. I think you have already said, said everything I wanted to say, but um, let me check my notes again. Can I ask something, please, sister? Oh, yes, go ahead, please. I like to say that I like to use a Bible version that is easy. Like, I know this is not a big deal for people, but I, I, I found that when you use the Bible version that is easy to read, it just makes the reading the Bible interesting. If you like use the old kingdoms and you are just new to this thing, the comment that went will be confusing. But if you like use like easier translations like uh, American Standard Version or New King James, stuff like that, that just use easy, easy words, you know, it it would help a lot. The way you have built capacity, you cannot go to the hard stuff. So that worked for me a lot. Mm, mm, great, great, great. Awesome. This is exactly, exactly the same thing um, Faith just said, you know, using versions that are easy to understand. And then before moving to, again, the, the King James version and the other tougher versions to, you know, interpret. All right. So I'm just going to run through the tips I have here. Um, and we would we'll stop at this point. I literally can't go further. All right. But so some tips I put here, number one, study in context, which we already talked about. Um, it's very helpful to read the Bible as a complete thought and not just read, take a verse or two out of context. Of course, when it comes to maybe explanation, 
you might just you might not be able to explain the whole verse or the whole chapter of the whole book. But having a holistic understanding of the context be, that being presented gives you a good understanding at each verse and why everything was said. Okay, so for instance, if you are reading the book of First Corinthians, you want to know why did Paul write this letter. So who was he writing his letter? Um, possibly at what time of his ministry was he writing his letter? And when you read the whole um, chapter, okay, if you read the whole, sorry, the whole book, I beg your pardon, it gives you a better understanding as to why he said some of the things that he said at the beginning. And then you see why he, how he concluded at the end, right? So please study in context. Um, like they say, typically read a chapter before and a chapter after. If you can't read the whole book of the Bible, you know, and also, if also know why each book was written, try to trying to understand why each book was written is very helpful. All right. So, for instance, um, why was the book of Hebrews written? Why was the book of Matthew written? Um, why was Revelations written? To whom was it written? And all of that. It gives you very good understanding to the to the scripture. Okay. Because what happens many times is that believers are. Believers have the tendency to take a verse or scripture out of context and use it to mean something else. And, and if you do that, let me tell you the truth, that even sorcerers take um, excerpts from the from Bible and quote it as part of their sorcery. And of course, the only reason why they can do that is because they are definitely taking it out of the appropriate context. All right. So please be helpful to do that. Um, secondly, I said it, it's also helpful to study book by book or by topic. So, for instance, if you are if for your daily reading of the of the Word of God, okay, I encourage you to take a book of the Bible and study the book of the Bible from beginning to end. Don't just read um, Genesis chapter one and then you just suddenly jump to John chapter fifteen just because you like the story in Genesis chapter one and you like the story in John chapter fifteen. You won't get the most from it. So, read read um, the Bible book by book. It just helps you have a, a rich, rich understanding. In fact, recently I've been studying 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, and I'm, I've just been blown by things I've seen. It's not as if this is the first time I'm reading the books, but just reading again together gives me a more holistic understanding to the life of David, life of, of um, Solomon, the kings after, the prophets that were in between and all of that. So it's very helpful. Or alternatively, you can study a topic um, a particular topic part time. So you might be studying on prayer, and then um, you look for you look for scriptures that refer that talk about prayer and instances of prayer. And studying a particular topic gives you again the whole idea is having a holistic understanding, right? Not just taking, not just looking at one verse and assuming everything about prayer will be communicated in one verse. It is less likely that you will find one. In fact, less likely that you find a chapter that talks about everything that can be found about a particular topic, less likely. All right, so study by topic or study by the books of the Bible. And this leads me to the next point. It is very helpful to use a reference Bible, right? It is very, very helpful. In fact, I do this personally when I study, when I study for Bible study like this or room personal, personal study, all right? I use reference Bibles because um, even if you read all, the whole Bible back to back, there's a high chance that at the point of, of studying, you might not remember every scripture that relates to what you are studying about, okay? So it is helpful to use a reference Bible. A reference Bible, one of the things a reference Bible does, it, it shows you other instances in which that topic or that scenario it, um, was played out, and it begins to connect the dots all across scriptures. And, you know, it also exposes you to other scriptures that you might not have come across but then are also relevant to what you are studying about. So use reference by um, using a reference Bible significantly helps. And lastly, here I said ask the Holy Spirit questions. Super, super important, just like um Ebenezer mentioned, ask questions like, okay, Lord, why did Jesus, why did Jesus walk on the water at night? Even if the questions may seem uh, mundane, right? I found out that God answers questions a lot more. It is you, you stand a higher chance of, of hearing from God when you ask questions than when you make assumptions, okay? So ask God questions. Um, why, why must we pray in the name of Jesus? Ask God questions. The revelations you get from those questions are, are mind-blowing, all right? So um, do that. Ask God questions. 
Hallelujah. Let me see if I, let me be sure I didn't miss out anything on my notes. Um, okay, okay, good. So lastly on asking questions, right? The Holy Spirit, when you ask the Holy Spirit questions, he may answer you directly or he may answer through somebody, okay? So he may answer you directly at that moment when you're studying or maybe at a later time, or he may answer through someone else. So for instance, you might be in a Bible study like this, and then the answer to your question now comes, or you may be listening to a message in church or online or wherever it is, or you may just be in a conversation with somebody, and then the person says something that gives an answer to what is already, to the question that, question that you already asked in your heart, right? So, but by all means, ask questions. The answer may not come immediately, but the answer will definitely come. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Okay, so we are going to stop at this point. I, I, I kid you not, we have only finished, we have only um, successfully completed 25% of what I what I wanted us to look at today. We have, we still have uh, prayer, we still have fasting, and we still have giving. Okay, I said I was going to cover, we're going to cover four, four practices. The first was studying, studying the word of God, as consuming the word of God, prayer, fasting, and then giving. But um, time won't afford us to, to do that. So I'm going. To, what I think I would do is I would most likely record another session, right, and upload it on YouTube and direct us to, you know, to listen to it. So please watch out for that. Or uh, if I don't do that, I'll let us know what I'll do. But most likely that's what I'll do: record a session, upload it on YouTube, and then let's all listen to it so that we can conclude on this series. Praise Jesus. All right, so at this point, I will, we will take questions. Any question concerning what we have studied so far? Any question concerning our discussion today? We pretty much just studied, um, just focused on, on consuming the word of God. So we have any questions around that or maybe around anything on spiritual growth, uh, we'll be more than willing to provide answers. Okay, any question, anyone? Or you're still thinking and absorbing everything in your head? Okay, if there are no questions, or while you're preparing your questions, someone wants to share with us one thing he or she has learned today, um, just one thing, you, one or two things you've learned today that you are going back to put into practice, please feel free to share with us and um, we'll be blessed. So one thing you've learned today that you're going to put into practice, feel free to share with us, share with the house. While if you have a question, you can still go ahead to share it. All right, the floor is open. Should I call on someone? Um, um, Toby Loba, do you want to share with us one thing you've learned today that you would put into practice? Please share with us, Toby. Um, Toby, can I hear you? Your mic is still muted. You can send it in the chat if um, if you can't speak where you are. That's one thing you've learned. All right, while we're waiting for Toby, um, Sumi, do you want to go ahead, share with us one thing you've learned today that you would put into practice? To me, we can't hear you. You're still muted if you're there. Uh oh. To me, are you there? Okay, to me, isn't there? Um, anyone else? Anyone wants to share? Okay, Cecil, please go ahead. Hi, good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Um, I have a question. Okay. Well, but I'll share quickly, then I'll ask my question. Um, what, what I learned today was um, when I studied the Bible, I should ask the Holy Spirit questions. Yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was really good. So I'll try to apply that from the next time I'm studying my Bible. I'll ask the Holy Spirit questions about what I studied. That's what I learned today. Now, my question is... Um, um, I've, I've heard before that you should fellowship with God 
that term fellowship with God. Um, and I don't really understand it. What does what does he actually mean, fellowshipping with God? Um, to better to add con add context, is it when you are reading your Bible, you you talk about what you've learned with the Holy Spirit, like you you speak out, like you're talking to yourself, but you're talking to the Holy Spirit, and you maybe open your heart to receive replies or answers from him because i really want to i really want to understand that that's my question okay. praise god thank you very much um thanks for sharing your your learning points and also thanks for asking the question um let me say this in very simple terms yeah any down this is generally speaking any interaction that involves the holy spirit right any interaction interaction that you involve the holy spirit in is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's interaction with you and the Holy Spirit now. Any interaction between you and the Holy Spirit that he's involved, obviously, is fellowship. The same way, for instance, if I come to your house to visit you, um, we might watch a movie together. We might talk about old times in school, you know, what happened and all of that. We might, um, we might go karaoke together. We might have play games together, right? These, these are interactions that involve you and I. That is fellowship, broadly speaking. And already you started answering, answering the question. So in, with respect to Bible study and meditating, when you begin to ask the Holy Spirit questions and listen to his um, explanation, that is fellowship. Um, in the case of prayer, um, the, the, the activities may differ, but the concept is the same, okay? So any interaction that involves the Holy Spirit is termed as fellowship, right? I hope that helps. Um, Cecil, does that help? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, good, good. All right. So Toby Lovab dropped in the group chat. She said, um, good evening, all applying references when studying is a great aspect I intend to apply. Thank you very much, Toby Lover. Um, Sumi says in the group here that I learned, I learned my soul takes instructions from my body and also my spirit. So reading the word of God often will help will help renew my spirit and thereby give my soul good instructions. Awesome. Thank you to me. Toby Loba also said here that I'm naturally used to studying based on personal occurrences and Bible characters, but I see how incorporating references can also broaden my knowledge. Thank you once again, Toby Loba. All right. Um, two more people before we close. What did you learn today and... Um, what did you learn today that you intend putting into practice? Quickly, quickly, what did you learn today that you intend putting into practice? Especially if you have not spoken before, please feel free to drop your um, to drop your comments, your contributions. We're looking forward to it. Anyone wants to go? Nobody, nobody, nobody. Okay, awesome. That's it, I guess. Um, thank you so much, everyone, again, for being part of our Bible study. Let's say a word of prayer in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to share what together today and um, fellowship together. Thank you for the understanding you've granted unto us, for the insight, the revelation, and Lord, the grace that has even been released to us through your word. We, Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us to be very intentional about putting these things into practice, um, having times to study, having um, um, a committed and consistent Bible study life in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you and we give all the praise and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay, Femi says here, I intend to study the word of God more. Thank you very much, Femi. So two things before we go. First of all, if this is your first time joining us in online Bible study, Please um, kindly just introduce yourself. Tell us where you're joining us from and who invited you or how you discovered us. If this is your first time joining us in our Bible study, kindly introduce yourself and um, let us know where you're joining us from and how you found us or who invited you. Hi, good evening, everybody. Hi, good evening. Hallelujah. 
I this is my first time. Esther Ada invited me. Awesome. Uh, Where are you joining us from? I'm actually at Lagos. Oh, awesome, awesome. What's your full name, please? Christiana Ezekiel. Christiana Ezekiel. Please, everyone, let's welcome Christiana Ezekiel to our community. This is her first time. She's joining us from Lagos. Um, Esther invited her. You're welcome, Christiana. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Yeah. All right, anyone else like that? First time today? First time joining us um, online? First time joining us online? Um, please just let us know who you, who you are and where you're joining us from. Anyone else? Okay, so nobody else. Thank you very much. Um, Christiana, we have a WhatsApp group that um, we, you know, where we share information across. So please do well to join our WhatsApp group. Um, Faith, are you here? Okay, Cecil, please put the link. Oh, Cecil, please put the link for our WhatsApp group in the chat for her so she can join us. All right, and then we have an Instagram page. We have everything, but by the time you join our WhatsApp group, we would communicate all that to you. All right, second all right. thing, the last thing before we go. Sorry, Christian, did you say something? No. Okay, Thank good. you. All right, right. The last thing before we go is that next week we have prayer meeting. As our custom is, the last Tuesday of every month is dedicated to prayer um, to prayers. All right, so we're going to have a, um, a, the whole session of prayer um, next week. So please make it a time of fellowship. Make it a date. You know, we would gather together and we would pray. Um, the details will be communicated to us during the week. All right. So thank you very much, everyone. Um, I just sent into the WhatsApp group the sorry, just sent in the chat the link for our WhatsApp group. So see you next time. Same link, same time, same Holy Spirit. <laughs> all right. Have a wonderful night or a wonderful day, depending on where you are. God bless you all. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much. You too. Bye. 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 Good night. Night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Bye. Professor DG. Good night.